Hello and welcome to the One Big Podcast. It is me, one of your hosts, fellow worker Jason. I'm here with fellow worker Derek. Say hello, Derek. Hello. And we're here with a special guest, uh, a fellow worker from Arizona. Her name is Sharon. Say hello, Sharon. Hello, everyone. We're going to be talking to Sharon today, uh, who used to work at DoorDash, about some organizing she was doing um, and uh, the result of that and the importance of OT101, basically. We're going to go from there. Uh, Derek? Yeah. So, so Sharon, you, it sounds like you worked at DoorDash for a little while. Tell us about, um, you know, what you started to organize around. Like what are, like, what are the, what are the issues that like suddenly turn on a light in your head that was like, we can fix this and we can do something about this that started you down the path of organizing at DoorDash? So I would say the first thing that had our team kind of coming together was, um, seeing management treat other people kind of poorly. Um, my team all came in at the same time, um, hired at the same time. And uh, when we came in, we knew it was understaffed. Um, it was pretty clear pretty quickly that even with us, it was still understaffed. Um, and management's treatment of people was very obviously not super good. Um, so we kind of bonded a little bit over, you know, oh, that, that, Thing that someone said was crappy. Um, eventually, it got to a point where everybody who was there when we started was no longer there. And we had the most seniority in the department um, because of the high turnover. And um, the big issue was they wanted to add phones to our workload. When we weren't taking phone calls, we were just doing tickets. And so um, that would have just, it would have been way too much. We were unanimously against it. And it was kind of the point where a lot of people were like, let's just all quit at the same time. Like that'll make them so mad <laughs> if we all quit at the same time. Um, and it, I was like, well, would that make them mad? Like maybe for a month, maybe, you know, six weeks. But what, <laughs> if you want to make them mad or if you want to make a difference, both goals, uh, trying to start a union would really do it for us. Yeah, and with a union, you could do both at the same time. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, I mean, that, that that that's exactly right. You know, and that's that's actually an attitude that I've encountered out in the organize out while organizing as well is the sheer number of workers whose like immediate reaction to a problem is let's all quit. And and in, in, so I, I've done some organizing with like social service workers, for example, and. That's a that's a that's a job field at least in our area in Michigan that is in relatively high demand, and so you can actually quit and probably find a job pretty effectively, and that seems to be the case in tech very often as well. But like one of the things I told a worker once who was telling me like I'm you know I'm just going to quit and get a job somewhere else, and like my 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 question my my kind of statement to them was I've been organizing with y'all for a while, like you know I've been organizing in this industry with people for a while. And I got to be honest, it's not great anywhere. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't really matter. There are places that might treat you a little bit better, but ultimately you're going to be underpaid. You're going to be given heavy caseloads. Um, you're going to have like high hours and high turnover and bad training. This is a place that, and, and, and I would go through and just list the names. Like these are the places and, and they were like, oh shoot, I'm applying to some of those places. And I was like, yes, this does not get better. And at some point, to fix a problem, quitting doesn't fix a problem. Quitting just transfers the problem somewhere else. And if we want to fix a problem, sometimes we have to step up and stand our ground where we are right now. Um, and that's that's what it sounds like you were able to convince some of your fellow workers to do over there. 
Yeah. Yeah. And a big part of it was we all had said so many times, like, are we ever going to be able to get a team like this? We really just liked each other and liked working with each other and felt like we were all great workers, great people. And it just felt like we would really be losing too much if we were to quit um, and definitely losing something that we aren't just going to get somewhere else. Um, so yeah, we started talking about um, really what can we do? Because I had pretty much my entire time working at the company helped my work, my fellow workers um, kind of express how they felt, express what they needed. And they weren't really comfortable bringing it to management. And so a lot of times they would bring it to me and I would bring it to management. And um, roughly every two weeks, I would go to my direct manager and basically be like, yeah, that issue that we've had for the past three months, we still don't like that. Um, you know, the, the way that one manager talks to us, they're still doing it and nothing's been done and, and we still don't like that. Um, and it got to a point where after the very last person uh, from the department who was there before us left, um, that was when we were all kind of like, well, what's going to happen now? You know, everybody's just going to leave. Like this company, this department is just going to keep under underperforming for people and not investing in their people. Um, and so that's when we started kind of moving up the corporate ladder, I guess you would say. I mean, I, so I, I don't know. I don't know what your feelings about this are, um, Jason. But I, 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 I've definitely felt like there's like a the couple of currents in various workplaces, and one of those, one of those currents is like I hate work. I don't, I don't want to work. I'm, I'm against, I'm against, I'm against working. Yes, I thought yes. maybe. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but there's, but there's, but there's another sort of thread, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, Sharon, but. Like, I like the work that I do. I like the people that I work with. I like the community that I have in, in the space that I am. And, and I feel like I value some, like, I don't want to work all the hours that I work, I'll admit. If I could get away with a 30-hour work week, that would be amazing. Um, but, like, the bottom, but the bottom line is I, I get some value out of the work that, that I do. And I don't want to have to quit. And I don't want to have to find a better workplace because I think that we can build a better workplace with our community and the people that we know and respect and enjoy working around right here with we are, where, where, where we are. I, I know I've been guilty of a, I hate all work and if because, you know, I'm an artist. I just want to sit around and watch movies and then make a movie and then like make a song and I'm one of those lazy creative types. Um, but like I was just talking last night with my coworker who got a new job and he's leaving. So that sucks. But OK. Um, and uh, we were talking about the jobs I had in the past because he was making fun of me because I'm old now. And I was like, I've had 11 jobs. And I was like, and guess what? All of them were shitty. Like <laughs> none of them. There was no greener grass anywhere. Some of them paid more. Most of them didn't. But like for the most part. It was bad all over. So, like, why not try to get fired by organizing, yeah. at least? If that's your plan, if your plan is to not have this job anymore, you might as well go out in a blaze of glory. Let's do this. But yeah. not everybody shares my kamikaze, like, mentality. <laughs> but it is good. And it, it sounds like, Sharon, like, what you did is one of the base things that OT 101 and, like, organizing, like, the, the IWW teaches what? Like, solidarity organizing. You have to have relationships with people. We're not going to go in and just drop cards on day one because that doesn't actually build power or community. And so you started at a point which was building power within your community. 
Um, tell us, tell, tell us a little bit more about like those relations that relationships that you built, like how, how you built them and, and how they ended up like being valuable to you in this process. Um, yeah. So it's funny cause I don't think about this time period a lot because it was actually super traumatic and not great. Um, about November, October, November, December of last year, we had a rash of COVID in our team, our fully remote team who never saw each other face to face. I think all but me ended up getting COVID um, in that three month period. And one of my closest friends who um, actually worked at DoorDash before I did, uh, he was in the hospital, he almost died. Um, and so with people getting sick and not knowing who was gonna be in that day and not knowing if anybody was okay, um, I kind of picked up the habit of like reaching out to everybody every day and being like, hey, how are you feeling? How's the workload? Are you feeling sick? If And if someone was sick, hey, how are you feeling? Like, can we get you food? Like we're DoorDash, maybe we can send you some food, you know? Um, so I think that's what really started the, the main bonding um, was really caring about everybody as people um, and not just like, are you gonna get the work done? But like, are you fed? Um, do you need a COVID test? Stuff like that uh, really built up a bigger, like, I guess, base of, of solidarity. I mean, that's, that, 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 that is what it takes, right? Um, like, sort of like effective mutual aid is how we build, is how we build relationships. So I think that's a, that's a, that's a great place to start. So before you took 101, you mentioned you had some wins. What were those wins and how did they come about? Yeah, so I had mentioned that phones were going to be added to our workload, and that was the primary concern of everybody. Nobody wanted this, and um, people were talking about quitting as, as a group, and my manager wasn't doing anything about it. Um, as, as a guy so who I, answers phones for a living, you made the right choice. <laughs> yeah, and that's that was part of it, too. A lot of us came directly from jobs where we did answer phones all day, and we specifically remembered going through this process and saying, we're going to be off phones. And so it was a huge benefit of the job. Um, and then besides that, we just did not have the people to man a phone system and do what we were already supposed to do. Um, so I go to my boss's boss with, you know, everybody's thoughts in mind. And he was rude. <laughs> he, he basically was uh, saying things that implied that any complaints I might have were kind of a character issue. Um, and that to succeed in the corporate world, I would have to stop comparing myself to others and just very strange things that were like fatherly anecdotes. Um, and so I immediately was like, oh, yeah, this guy's not gonna help me either. And I told him I didn't appreciate the things he was saying. Um, and he said, we'll circle back on this in a few weeks. So I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Oh, you gotta love that um, corporate lingo. <laughs> is this the same guy that eventually told you that you were not the spokesperson for your team? No, that's actually a woman who said that this guy though did, uh, did leave the company. Um, so not being able to get any movement with him. Um, a couple of other things happened that resulted in us deciding to go to HR. Um, some poor manager treatment, things like that. So um, one of my coworkers decided to go to HR and uh, I was the person who had the most documentation. So we were in the HR process now. And so the HR uh, person that we talked to said, hey, are you comfortable meeting with these two higher up people? 
and um, there are two corporate officers in the company. And I said, uh, yeah, you know, uh, that makes me really nervous, but sure, um, you know, I can do that. Um, and then I didn't for a couple of days. I kind of let my, my team settle on that idea to see how we felt. Um, but then we were approaching a week before phones were going to be added to our workload. And that's when things started to really ramp up. That was my last, it was the beginning of the end for me there. Uh, it's funny because I did something similar in my workplace. Um, but like, you look very nice. You got, you're very like, hi, I'm nice. Come talk to me. When we sent people to talk to the bosses about some things we were mad about, like bringing us back into the office during COVID, like three months in, um, we sent all the people like me in the office that are mean and like the bosses were scared of. <laughs> so I give the impression that, you know, I, I am a nice bubbly person, but I'm also not afraid to say, you know, things that offends management, like directly offends them if it's true and necessary, you know? So I have that mix for sure. Um, but yeah, management. It's a powerful thing to have. It's like, quickly. hi, oh, it's my friend Sharon. Hey, listen up. <laughs> oh my God. No, my, yeah, my manager was thrown for sure, but uh, <laughs> necessarily. <laughs> So how did it feel for you? You know, this is one of those things, um, you know, while you were waiting to talk to management, um, you know, it sounds like you sat on it for a minute. Uh, you know, I've been there a million times. I know a lot of workers. I, so I had a lot of, I had a group of workers. We marched on the boss a couple of weeks ago and, you know, they were like, you know, I, we feel very nervous and like, I, I get it. I'm a hundred percent, I'm a hundred percent there, but if we don't do this, then nothing ever changes. Right. Um, so how did you feel as you were like leading up to this conversation with the higher ups? Um, so luckily my team was, was, uh, there was at least one person on my team who was super involved, who was gathering other people's opinions as well. And who wanted to be there, um, wanted to go to this meeting. So I wasn't going to go alone, which was great. Um, but That's yeah, huge. I was, I was, yeah, but I was really nervous. I was like, we're going to get fired. Like who goes to like a corporate officer to complain about your direct manager, um, you know, and then you start thinking if once you're going that high, like, have I skipped steps here? Are they going to think that I am like wasting their time with petty drama? Um, but that was not how they seemed to perceive it, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, they took it really seriously, it seemed. So, um, yeah, it's very unexpected kind of. Do you have a sense of why they were taking it so seriously? I mean, they should take it seriously because, you know, what workers care about matters. But like, did you have did you have a sense that they took it seriously because they cared about the issue or they were nervous that workers were confronting them? I think um, probably a combination, but I think a big part of it was definitely that there were workers who were organized together who weren't afraid to go to people who make 10 times their salary. You know, um, there's this cultural, social barrier between that frontline worker and corporate officers. And the fact that we weren't we weren't abiding by that seemed to make them. First of all, it, it seemed like they did perceive us as brave and like they respected that. Um, so I have to say that. Um, but also <laughs> but also um, I think they were a little afraid. You know, uh, why wouldn't you be? They, yeah. Those people are supposed to be afraid to come to you. And yeah. I was, they knew I was, but not too afraid to do it. That yeah. is an advantage of being me and just not 
Carrick. Because <laughs> yeah. everybody feels that. I'm like, yeah, do whatever you want to do. I don't care. Come on. <laughs> but but there is also, and we've talked about it here on the show a few times, and we should really bring Alec on this show to talk about this in some more detail because I think you know he has a lot of really good things to say about it. But there's like this this element of you know what we here locally refer to as boss fragility, which is kind of you know what what you're talking about. Like we are untouchable. Who the hell are you to be confronting us over over this issue? And like they, there is an expectation. This like the hierarchies at these businesses, they build in these expectations that like, yes, I am the boss and I am in charge. And it makes them do a lot of zany things, from like threatening you. And there's and like there's this email that you sent where they're like, you're not the spokesperson for your team. Well, actually, I kind of am right now um, because me, like our workers, like we and I decided that this is how we're going to handle it, and I am here representing these issues to you. Uh, and they, and if they're smart about things, one, they know what organizing is. Most well-trained HR folks know how to identify it, and they get real nervous when it starts happening. Bosses, they get real nervous when bosses, when 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 their workers start to confront them. And like, I'm going to relate this to another issue. Like, like, like we're like we have some bosses right now that are putting out some really like anti-union propaganda here locally. And I'm, I'm talking to those workers and, and I'm like, let's go confront the boss. Like, let's get a group of workers and go have a conversation with the boss, because this this really shows a few things. One, we're not afraid of you. Like, we're going to we are here to confront you directly and address these concerns. And then when the boss starts dissembling, because the boss will inevitably start dissembling to try to like make you all go away. We can then kind of cut in and reestablish the agenda. Why aren't you answering these questions? Why do you keep saying these things? about about us the workers who are the union and and you know i i have to tell like your boss is going to get nervous bosses get nervous when they're confronted with workers because they don't know what to do about it they don't know how to handle that situation because they're used to telling you what to do they have no idea what to do when we come tell them this is what we expect you to be doing get it done yeah it might be a little too heady but um or um, maybe I'm thinking too much about it, but like we all come from the hierarchy of you have parents who tell you what to do, you know, and like they're your boss. And I think that continues. I wasn't into the good workplace. at that either, though. Yeah, me, me either. I was sneaking out and I was hanging out with people I shouldn't have hung out with. But, you know, uh, um, but, you know, we, we all come from that. And then, like, I think that continues into the workplace where bosses think of themselves as your parent and suddenly you come up to them and they can't ground you. So, yeah. <laughs> you're like yeah i'm also an adult with like adult thinking so you and your fellow worker got together so did, so you two went and had a had a conversation with the higher-ups how like what'd you talk about how'd that go yeah so um it kind of first started and i like i was shaking my voice was shaking and one of the people that we met with sent me a message on slack and was literally like you're so brave we have your back um yeah um so we started kind of Explaining manager treatment, the manager who sent me that email in particular, uh, super insulting all the time, just always had something to say, always was something negative. Very rarely was it true or based in reality. Um, and I had documented some things that just were outright untrue that she had said um, that were negative about my team. And so we brought up a lot of that, but the main thing was the phones. This was on a Friday and phones were supposed to start on Monday. And 
we kind of didn't have a plan, but a lot of people were like, maybe I'll still quit. I don't know. Um, so we go to this meeting on Friday and we say, hey, phones are supposed to start on Monday. Um, this is a crisis. You're, this department is falling apart. Um, and if this happens, it's it's done for. Um, and they seemed receptive. And something, the my manager's manager, the one who uh, was giving me guidance on my character instead of managing his department, um, he seemed to be who a lot of the upper management people wanted to focus on. Um, and so they kind of asked us a lot of questions about him, um, got the impression that phones were like his baby, like he wanted it on his resume that he implemented a phone system for an IT department. Um, and so, yeah, they focused a lot on that. Um, they told us that phones were going to be suspended indefinitely. They were not starting Monday. They may never start for our team. Um, and then four hours later, there was an emergency meeting called to let us know that our boss's boss was no longer with the company. Hmm. <laughs> wow. So that's a super successful march on the boss. You got what you wanted and a, and a bad boss got, got, got let go or left. Yeah. Yeah. I, to the point that my friend who I said um, had, had urged me to join the IWW around this point, um, I had kind of been talking to him a little bit about what we were thinking about doing, but then when we did it, he was just like, okay, I would have never told you guys to do that. Honestly, like, like strategically, I would have never told you guys to do that. And I would have thought this was going to be a loss, a full loss, um, which is understandable because looking back, it wasn't a strategy. It was a tactic. Um, and the, the difference between those was completely lost on me at that point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, I had to be one of those how did you stumble into that? I've been working real hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but but it was uh, still it was still successful. And I mean, I think you know it's important to to highlight you know that you did some things well there, right? Like you know, like there, there's this there's this there's this thing where it's important for organizers to be reflective of their experiences as organizers and grow from those experiences, but also. Like you did a powerful thing. You had a group of workers behind you. You and your fellow worker went and had a conversation with management. You stopped the implementation of a bad system that nobody wanted and a bad boss left the company one way or another. Um, so that is an organizing success. And I just, I just want to, I just want to say like kudos, congratulations. That, that is, it is a brave thing to do. Um, you know, that is like your livelihood at risk. That is, you know, like mean things people can say about you. And we don't like that. We don't, we don't, we don't want to get fired. First of all, then second of all, we also don't like to be called mean things. <laughs> Nobody I, likes I kinda, that. I kind of like it. Maybe Jason does. <laughs> um, but overall, like, like that is still a powerful act that you and your fellow workers took. And that that's, that's amazing. So well done. All right. So you marched on the boss. You got what you, you got what you wanted a little bit. You got a bonus on top of that, which was nice. A little bonus, a bonus prize um, with the bad boss leaving. Um, what happens next? Yeah, so we celebrated, obviously, uh, virtually because that's the life we are right now. Mm -hmm. um, but we were really excited to the, like, I have never in my life done the like stereotypical like girl scream or whatever but I sat in the car and screamed I was like oh my god oh my god like screaming like I'm not gonna do it right now but y'all know what I'm saying <laughs> as um, the editor of the, this podcast I I've appreciate never that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah like I I've never felt anything like that in my life uh, ever 
Um, and I've had children. No, <laughs> just kidding. Kind of really, it was exhilarating. And, um, <laughs> you know, um, everybody else kind of felt the same there. The, everybody who didn't go to the March on the bus was like, uh, I wish I had been there. Like, I, you know, hearing what you guys said is cool, but now that everything's, you know, happening, it's like, they were really curious to know, like, kind of the little details, like, we didn't expect for this to happen, um, you know, the the person to leave the company. Um, so, you know, everybody kind of wanted to analyze the situation, but so few people had actually been involved as, you know, compared to the rest of the team. So, you know, my thought was, all right, here we go. Like, starting a union <laughs> and so um i joined the iww like officially I, I think the next day um and reached out to um some folks at the iww just to get some guidance um about what to do from here because um i had reached out to to a business union um and I don't know, I just kind of got the idea that like you kind of do where where they were saying, you need this many people to pay dues to, you know, to have us continue working with you. Yeah. Um, and I had a small team, um, a small team versus a large company. Um, they had kind of floated the idea of a minority union. And I was like, I guess, you know, but what's the point? We're already doing that. Like, what would be the point of joining you <laughs> to do what we're doing right now? Kind of. Um, so, yeah, so that's when I was like, well, the IWW is going to let us keep doing what we're doing, not interfere, provide support regardless of the value we could provide to them. And so, yeah, that's right around when I joined the IWW. And our main thoughts were that we needed to get the heat off of me. <laughs> that was the main thoughts from the folks that I spoke with at the IWW. Uh, the yeah. heat is on you. The target is on your back. You are in danger, my friend. What are your coworkers going to do to help you now? Um, was was the point of, of a lot of the conversations. Yeah. So I mean that's that I mean that's that's definitely a, a risk. Like how can we diffuse how 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 can we how can we make the risk not on one person's shoulders, right? Like like that's that's always a question that we want to ask. That's why we always march on the boss um, in at least pairs, hopefully with an army of workers. Uh, there was a there was a woman that I was organizing with, and so we don't just do social services, but I have a lot of immediate experiences there. And I had like just met her; she wasn't a member of the IWW yet, and um, she kind of came to us after she had gotten bullied and then fired by her bosses for doing something totally legal, talking about wages in a public setting and asking questions where any question was allowed. Um, and you know, one thing that I had said to her when she called me and and was like worried, just worried to death because she had just been fired. Like what comes next? And the answer, you know, was first, you know, take some, take some deep breaths and let, let's figure out the next steps here. But the lesson that I think is so important to take away is this is why we don't march on the boss alone, right? This is why we march on the boss with as many people as possible uh, because then it's not just any one of us, you know, there's no obvious leader that will be decapitated a gruesome metaphor that will be removed from the that will be removed from the pool and then everything will collapse it is in fact the case that we are all here we are all doing this together if any one of us goes down we are all we, we will all be there to lift them back up that is that is the power of of marching in mass uh and definitely a mistake that i see a lot of this like advocacy sort of like 
approach, which the, which is a very business union approach, and it's very common in the labor movement, which is we have a grievance officer, and that grievance ha officer will handle all of the complaints of the union. Or there's this one person who's very involved, and this one person will go and do all the things for us. But that is not a model that works. It's not a model that works in the union, because if that grievance officer you know, stops doing grievances or um, becomes enamored with the boss for one reason, like they become ineffective. And then how do we work around them? And then if we're organizing in the work uh, at, at the work site, if that one person who's doing all the advocacy gets fired, what happens to the movement? What happens to the actions of other workers there? So yeah, diffusing that, that responsibility is so important. Also, um, I can relate because I also joined the IWW immediately after getting fired for, well, not immediately, but after getting fired for organizing, um, and it was very much the same thing where I was like, oh, I've been, I've been doing this wrong. Oops. Uh, that's why I got fired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, um, gosh, it's so funny because when so much happens um, in a short period of time, it it's so hard to kind of explain it. Um, but so after that meeting, the very next week, um, we were no longer able to get overtime. <laughs> mm -hmm. We had been averaging a lot of us 20 hours a week of overtime. Um, and I had weeks where I would get 40 hours a week of overtime. We were so Yikes. understaffed. I cannot even tell you. Um, so yeah, uh, the, my very last work week of that week, um, that very next week, my boss was like, Oh, Hey, you're at, 38 hours and 40 minutes. If you clock in right now, you better clock out at this time. And I was at 38 hours before my last day of the week had started because of how it normally had worked in the workplace with how much hours we normally had to work in the workplace. Um, so that was, you know, obviously, um, well, I'm not going to say obviously to me, it seemed like she probably had to know that we had had that meeting. Um, and I don't know if it was, you know, frustration. I know that she really liked her boss, <laughs> you know? Um, so, so yeah, that was kind of the first thing that, that started. And then, um, I had repeatedly told my direct manager, the things that, um, the manager who sent me that email had said to my team, the analysts, um, I told my manager, I hate when this other manager says this or that, and that the analysts do that. And I hate when she says this or that, that the analysts do that. Uh, my manager started saying these things that I had given her. I give. I gave her the ammo. I told her exactly what bothered me um, because I trusted her when I had first, you know, started working there, and I trusted her when I first started trying to resolve the problems. Um, and as soon as that that march on the boss happened, as soon as things started happening, and she saw that I was maybe more of an effective leader than she thought she immediately started using those things against me. The overtime that she knew that I kind of needed to support, you know, my family in this, you know, state that's housing crisis, like every other state. Um, yeah. And then just directly using the wording that I told her really upset me and upset the rest of my team. Um, those were the first things that I noticed just in the first week after that. So, I mean, this is this is just more examples of boss fragility as far as I'm concerned, right? Like this is a boss reacting reacting emotionally to you. And it's 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 always so interesting to me that the number of workers that I've met who feel like their relationship with the boss is like this logical relationship where if I make the right arguments that that you know they'll have to just understand the situation that's not the case this is an emotional relationship your boss like every person is an emotional 
creature. And when their pride gets trampled on, when their sense of authority gets like gets gets rerouted, um, you know, it's it, like I, I read these emails, some of these emails that, 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 that you or some of these contacts that you sent along and and like like this super interesting idea of like, you're not the spokesperson for your team. I shouldn't have to be this clear with you. And I know that we're not necessarily talking about that person here, but like this, like this is such a fragile response. First of all, first of all, um, as a worker in a workplace, we absolutely 100% every day of the week have the right to talk to each other about our working conditions. We don't have to go through our managers to talk about these problems. And in fact, we know from experience that that has not helped. Um, like I, I'm getting mad reading reading this, like reading this, like I want to go fight this person. Um, and and it's 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 so frustrating. Uh, like like and this is what they do. They they try to redirect you back towards management. And sometimes they do it well. Mm-hmm. And in this case, they just did it in a way that was demeaning and insulting, which is which is outrageous. And this is yeah. great grounds for a ULP as well, so. Yeah, I think that they were probably um, trying to find a reason to fire me at that point. And she probably thought like, I'm gonna send this email. It's gonna make me feel like really powerful and good. Yeah. Um, and it's gonna piss off Sharon um, and make her feel really weak. And then she's gonna get fired and I'll never hear from her again and I'll feel like I won. Yep. But. I'm super loud and I'm super mean. So I don't know why she thought that that was going to happen that way. <laughs> Her mistake to make. Yeah. My, um, my, mo- my mother, uh, who's had a billion jobs as well. Um, she always had that mindset where like, Oh, my boss is like my friend. And like, if I just come to him with anything, it'll be fine. And it took 40 years, but now she's starting to realize <laughs> that's not the case. And that's probably from talking to her son. Hi. I ruin everybody I talk to. Uh, and uh but yeah, she's like, there's no loyalty in the workplace anymore. No one I'm like, no, mom, where have you been living for 40 years where you thought that was the case? So this kind of continued on. You got this kind of shitty abusive behavior from management and and eventually they fired you. Now, I, I think it's useful to point out that by the time that you were eventually fired, uh, arguably illegally, um, you had been published on a website as like as like women in tech, like somebody that is notable for doing really cool things with their teams at, at a company like DoorDash, right? Yeah, and it was really focused on um, women who have like a career transition. Um, I had gone from, it's still a tech company, but I had gone from customer service at a tech company to IT in a tech company. And to me, that transition is, is um, like, it makes so much sense. Um, so much of IT work is customer service. So many people who are succeeding in customer service in a tech company know how to use computers. They could learn pretty easily how to fix a computer. Um, and not only that, but Honestly, success in a lot of jobs is about how you relate to people and how you use the skills that you've gained elsewhere. And so it was really focusing on that. Um, and a lot of those skills were team building. <laughs> Which also happened to coincide with the ability to organize a workplace sometimes. So, But you'd also received like very positive reviews from your employer as well that also recognized these, these team building abilities and, and the fact that you had really kind of taken this initiative, right? Yeah, I joked about my performance review because 
um, I was like, oh, this performance review says she's starting a union. <laughs> but, you know, um, I'm pretty sure my boss had put that in the system a little bit before she realized she was going to fire me. So uh, mm. it's it mine. Is, I've got it is it. a fine <laughs> line between team building and union building. <laughs> It's like, yeah, hey, good yeah. job getting everybody together. Tone. Hey, no, not like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And like the only negative in the performance review was like basically saying like, worry about yourself, you know, um, <laughs> and don't worry about the team. And uh, we had a discussion, my boss and I, when she gave me the performance review. And she said, you know, the only negative here is is this, that you, you know, don't worry about your own things enough. And I was like, I do a good job at my work. You know, I do my work well and I take care of my team. And that might be a difference of opinion. If you find that to be negative, that's fine. Um, but I'm not going to stop doing that. And she was just like, okay. Like she just see it. Like she acted like I was being crazy. Like I'm not crazy. You can't make that a negative. It's not a negative to me. <laughs> so eventually DoorDash fired you at some, some point along the way. What do you think led to your, so you've been through OTO 101. Sounds like you've learned some lessons. Like while you reflect as an organizer, like, what do you think sort of led you? Like, what are the things that you identify that led you to where you are right now? Um, so I know the exact event that my manager says I was fired for. Um, there was a, and it's related to those, those emails. Um, so uh, that the original email where I had sent, the one that's on the bottom of what I sent you, where I was like, um, basically management holds us to expectations that they don't even write down and I don't like it and I want y'all to stop. That's kind of the point of that email, I feel like. Um, I sent that email to all three of our managers, but also a couple of other people on my team sent similar emails. So that's something interesting about that email that I got in response. I was the only one who got that email in response. <laughs> so um, when I got that response email, I was in a meeting with my manager and the rest of my team. So the email came from a second manager. Mm -hmm. I was in a meeting with my manager and that email came in and I was hot. I was like, all right. Like I told my manager, I literally told her that she was failing our team. And, you know, uh, we got into it. It was a heated argument and it definitely wasn't vulgar, offensive, anything like that. But I told her outright and that's what made her mad. Uh, that's why I remember that phrase. I told her, you are failing your team. You have continued to fail your team. You have failed your team for a year. And I don't see any indication that you're going to change. Um, this might be a little too nerdy, but you gave her the the green arrow. You have failed the city. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I don't get that reference, but I'm going to let it stand. <laughs> But yeah, and she tried, she tried a whole, um, it's funny because it was uh, the inoculation part um, of OT 101. They were saying, you know, like, what if your boss like tries to guilt trip you? I was like, oh, I know that one. She was saying things like, well, what if, um, what if we did this to you? What if management did this to you? I'm like, what do you mean this? The insults? Literally the things that you're doing, that you've been doing, that I'm complaining about, what are you yeah. talking about? Um, and so she kept kind of like bringing up all these like weird manipulative things and I kept cutting her off, um, which was insubordinate. And that's what I was fired for. Insubordination in that meeting. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that, that's a big loaded term at work. Basically you can be fired for insubordination for just about damn near anything. So 
Yeah, and, 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 and insubordination, in my experience, is also another symptom of boss fragility. Like, 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 like let's, let's explore what's happening in this situation. You're a bad boss, right? Like, I've had good bosses. I, like, the boss I have right now, I'll say there, there are bad bosses at the University of Michigan where I, where I, where I work. Um, but my immediate supervisor, I love her. She's, she's great. She's gracious. She's, she's, she, she provides great feedback. Um, I would love to rethink about what hierarchies at work look like, but while I have this hierarchy, I'm actually very happy to be working to, for her to be my supervisor. But you know what? There are bad bosses and, and telling them that they're bad bosses, like, is that insubordination? Coordination, or or am I offering you actually a valuable critique that hopefully you will self-reflect on and grow as a person and think, maybe I am a bad boss. <laughs> maybe I am treating people badly, and maybe my management style could be improved upon. But that isn't but that isn't the reflection. The reflection is you are being insubordinate. And because of that. Because I'm all up in my feelings about this, and I can't reflect on myself as a as like a, just a fellow human. You're out of here. Yeah, and like I don't even want to let it be misunderstood that I went to her with ideas. With I had written up documentation. I'd written up so many things because I just didn't think she had it in her. And like God bless her, you know. But I still want a better work environment. So I tried with her for a really long time. Um, so getting to this point of you have failed us, it was because you had demonstrated abilities to succeed and chose not to. Um, and so that's where I was coming from. Um, I stand by what I said in that meeting. I stand by that it did not lose me the protection of the act by any means necessary, like by any means whatsoever, I should say. Um, but yeah, that's why I was fired. But um, I guess on a... On, in a bigger picture. Um, it was really all of that, including my reaction, was a symptom of really taking a huge leadership position when um, there were so many people available to give input, to take action, to um, take on a lot of these things that I had just decided to take on myself. Mm -hmm. um, and that was one of the first things in OT 101 where, um, I was just like, Ugh, I could have done that. It wasn't even that I couldn't have. I could have. I just didn't know to. I thought I was being like, uh, I guess, like, like strong and helpful, you know. Um, and it turns out that that wasn't the best method. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 hard, as I'm sure Jason can attest. I have some very strong micromanaging tendencies. Like, like I know what needs to happen. I I I, I have an idea in my head. I know what needs to happen. And I'm just gonna, I'm like, I, I've talked to everybody. We've had good conversations. I know what we all agree to do. And I'm and I'm just gonna go, and I'm just gonna go do it. Um, yeah. I'm gonna make sure it gets done. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Um, but like, that is something that I have had to, over many years, break myself of. Like, we have to, A, trust our fellow workers to step up and, and do their part. B, it's like, like it's not just like, even even if you've talked to other people, it can't just be my voice. Like we are a collective voice. This is a collective effort. No one person should take all the risk and no one person should be doing like all the work. And if that's what's happening, 
then you become a one-person organizing campaign. And I don't know if it's official, like, like if it's an official IWW motto, but you know, beware the one-person organizing campaign is one I definitely hear in the hallowed halls of organizing. Uh, I, and they, they're dangerous. I, I don't do it so much when I'm organizing, but elsewhere in life, I do the very same thing where I'm just like, I'll just get it done. Everybody we have else to, but we have to make those asks. <laughs> we have to make those asks. If we don't make those asks, then ultimately you are the person who is running the show. And if they pull you out of the show, then the show's over. And also you'll burn out way yeah. fast. Well, yeah. And, you know, um, I feel like I had a good idea of what my team members wanted and thought. Um, what I didn't have any idea of at all is what they would decide to do on their own um, or what they would decide to do if they were a part of the what are we going to do discussions. What am I going to do? If the discussion was what am I going to do? Um, which is important because the things that people are willing to do in action can really help you understand what they need, you know? Um, and I, I really didn't have that grasp. And to a point, it was unfair to the workers that um, I was taking such a huge lead. Um, not even to a point. It was unfair, you know, to take such a huge lead on that, on something that impacts everybody so much. I appreciate that, that self-reflection. There is, you know, there's, there's a reason why... Um, Taking an action like a letter writing campaign, right? Like most of us know that a letter writing campaign isn't going to solve a problem, but it's an interesting structural test of what people are willing to step up and do. Because that's a really low ask. We've written a very polite letter to the boss um, that it will says get filed away in the circular filing cabinet. That's that's right. But how many people signed it gives us a good indication of. Who's scared of signing? We talk to everybody. Who's afraid of signing this letter, even though it's inoffensive? Who's afraid of signing it? Who was willing to sign it? Who agrees that these are problems that need to be resolved? Um, and then who's going to help us deliver it, right? Who's going to help us go and deliver deliver this letter? And I'm just using the letter writing campaign as an example, but it's very apt, I think, Sharon, to point out like what you just what you just said is like these like structural tests are ways that we can really determine how much do other people really want to take action? What do people want to do and what are they willing to do? So I, I think that's like a very wise thing to have observed and learned. Do you know what they told your team after you left? Like why you left? No. So it's definitely uh, kind of the standard to just say this person has left the company just for mm -hmm. probably liability um, you know, you don't want to defame somebody and like, for all, you know, you just fired someone illegally. So you gotta be careful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I only asked because when the job I got fired from, from organizing before I joined the IWW, they told everybody I, um, pissed all over the men's room on purpose. No. And I was like, no, they didn't say that about me. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. No, I was like, I, my second job is a janitor. Why would I ever do that to another janitor? That's what horrifying. are you talking about? Oh. Yeah, no, I think really, um, I think a lot was unsa unsaid in part because everyone knew what was going on, Yeah. you know? Um, so yeah, no, the, first of all, standard to not say anything. Second of all, like, Everyone knows what's happening. There's no point in lying about it. There's no point in trying to tell the truth in a way that makes management look good. Just she's gone. Hopefully we never hear from her again. Yeah. Kind of vibes. But they are going to hear from you again, right? Yes. So um, I should hopefully be finishing my affidavit on Monday. Um, I have request to pursue an injunction because I believe I have a solid case for a 10-J injunction. 
Um, I believe that they were attempting to nip organizing in the bud. And I think that they will succeed at that if uh, things aren't done quickly. So yeah, uh, hopefully that will be done Monday. And um, yeah, they're pretty long. Um, I don't know if any, I hadn't seen this anywhere, but um, ten, when you're requesting a 10J, it's a longer affidavit, um, just because they're trying to get so much more information up front. And um, just, just, so yeah. our, just so our listeners are all familiar with it, can you walk us through like what a 10J injunction is? Yeah, so basically the point of a 10J uh, would be if the labor board believes that if action isn't taken quickly, the workplace will be ir- 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 uh, <laughs> changed forever. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But, um, but, and, um, you know, or if it already has been changed forever, um, I think we'll probably see a lot more 10 J's because I honestly don't, I can't think of, um, any like ULPs that wouldn't change a workplace forever in some way right. a, um, UL, but, a ULP being an unfair labor practice yeah sorry yeah and, and, and this, um, this is actually like a really important thing for folks folks to know like like one I'm not going to pretend that I'm a strong advocate of the National Labor Relations Board because every few years it gets weaker or stronger um, it is a federal bureaucracy it takes time but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't make use of it this is a free legal service that like, like they're not our lawyers but this is a free service by which we reach out we file an unfair labor practice if we think our employer has violated federal labor law we file an unfair labor practice they assign an investigator that we don't want i guess our taxpayers pay for right our tax our tax our tax money pays for but um that we don't have to give them any more money they show up they ask you questions you fill out an affidavit they do an investigation and then they make a recommendation that basically says based on our findings this is what we think happened here and what the next steps will be and right now like um like i like i'm not here to shill for joe biden if you don't like joe that's fine if you love joe then take take it however you want all i'm saying is that the nlrb right now is very aggressive and they are jumping in and doing things now in two more years who knows where they'll be but right now they are out there taking names um, and so like, I'm very excited for you to be making, making use of this. And I don't know anyone who's ever pursued a 10 J injunction before. So I'm very curious, like how that process will play out. Yeah. So I'm not even sure if, um, people normally ask for it. I, um, kind of spent a little time between my firing, I like a week and, uh, filing the ULP. First of all, figuring out what was going to happen in the workplace is filing a ULP going to be. The best course of action and then it turns out that the organizing was nipped in the bud and so uh ulp was was my next step um with no activity in the workplace mm-hmm. um but but yeah so with the 10j i'm pretty sure the way it normally works is you submit your your charge uh the labor board looks into it and then they decide if they want to do a 10j based on the evidence um, I requested it up front because I understood the legal theory and enough to request it. So, so yeah, maybe that's something uh, listeners might not know that you can. Do. I didn't know if you could do that. I literally asked Labor Boy, I don't know if you can do this, but I think I have a 10J. And he said, yeah, let's, let's look into it. <laughs> that's, that's very cool. That's very cool. So do you have an estimate of how much time it will take for us to see some movement on your case? It's so hard to tell because um, things that were taking two years in the labor board are taking like 15 weeks now. 
Um, but with an injunction and Amazon said something really shady that I think moved the labor board in the direction they didn't want. Um, the labor board issued an injunction for one of their workers who was illegally fired to be reinstated. And Amazon said, how is this an emergency if it's been two years? And the labor board said, bet <laughs> it won't take two years anymore then. Yeah. <laughs> so That's great. So yeah. So Starbucks has been getting injunctions issued. Um, and Starbucks has not reinstated people via injunction that I'm aware of. So um, that's the part that I'm not sure of. Injunctions seem to be issued four to eight weeks. Um, I haven't seen a company actually take back their employee the way they're supposed to yet, or at least I haven't heard of it. Hmm. So I'm not sure how long that takes. Like what happens if the company says like, like Starbucks has just ignored the labor board and filed their own charges and then ignored the labor board's charges against them. So who knows? Who knows? We'll see how it goes. But I expect to hear something hopefully within like four weeks, um, whether cool. it's the labor board asking me for more evidence or um, what have you. So, um, Sharon, I think you've shared like a really great and, you know, frankly, inspiring story in a lot of ways. I mean, I'm sorry that it ended in your termination, but I feel like like you've learned some things and you've got a great you, you've got a great unfair labor practice that you're pursuing. And like it's not. It's not necessarily like the, the NLRB is not the greatest strategy in the long run, but like this is something that we can do. And it shows other workers, at least that, yes, even though they're not perfect protections, we have protections. And so I appreciate you going through all these steps to kind of make these things happen. Do you have any like words of wisdom that you want to share as a person who's gone through all of this, all of this hellfire? Like what, like what do you come out the other side uh, you know, arising like a phoenix from the ashes or whatever, whatever metaphor you think is most appropriate for yourself. Like, like, uh, do you have a better metaphor you want to use? And then also, um, <laughs> and then also like what, like, what are your parting words of wisdom? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, uh, a corny and cliche. It's not corny and cliche. It's, it's accurate. Like solidarity forever. Like I like can't exist in this world without caring about other people. And I think that that has, done a lot for me. And I think that the people that um, have seen this organizing happen, and um, I think they're going to be inspired to care a little bit more about their fellow workers, which is great. Um, but also, uh, biggest advice is, um, if you're organizing, I know that everything feels urgent. I mean, we were in a situation where something was going to happen the next Monday. And so I get those urgencies happen. Um, but get some training. And something that we didn't really talk about, so I hope that it's okay to add in here at the end is uh, what I was calling perspective creep because we had that big giant win. Any action we took after that felt small and safe. Don't let that happen. Do your training, let your wins be your wins, but don't let your wins influence how you feel about future actions. Well, I like I, I, I like that phrase. I might I might I might steal it going forward. Per, per perspective creep. That's such a it's such a good concept. Um, yeah, I think those are all great words of wisdom. Jason, uh, anything? What are your What are your any closing thoughts you want to share? Oh, I have no wisdom. I'm a wis wisdomless weirdo. Um, <laughs> who allegedly pisses in bathroom floors sometimes yes so. apparently and, uh, man that's a, i heard that i heard that somewhere <laughs> what a weird thing like if i was mad at the boss i would have pissed on his desk i'm not like exactly. i go all well. i go all out 
Yeah, better targets. No half measures for me. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what is the what is the what's that great song? Urine works. Urine um, speaks or, louder than words. Speaks louder than words. Yeah, that's a. <laughs> uh, just to be clear, Jason did not urinate on anything, but um, in that building, urine speaks louder than words. Great. <laughs> okay. Well, I think uh, thanks for coming out, Sharon, and please keep us updated about that about that ULP. And if there are any other updates that come out of what's happening over at DoorDash, we definitely wanna wanna hear about it. Um, you know, if any of if you or any of your fellow workers or anyone else from uh, the IWW that you are familiar with that wants to come on and kind of talk about those experiences, we're happy to keep the conversation going and uh, talk more about it. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Sharon. Yeah, cool. Yeah, on. thank you guys. I will reach out to y'all when I know more. And that's the show, folks. It was recorded and edited by me, fellow worker Jason. The intro and outro song are also by me, fellow worker Jason. If you'd like to join the IWW and be part of the One Big Union, go to iww.org join. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns for us, you can always email us at ypsilanti at iww.org. And until next time, an injury to one is an injury to all. Mm-hmm.